All right. Hello, everybody. It's been a little bit, and we're excited to be back with you guys on the Doctoring Duo podcast, the podcast where uh, you have two former pre-med students uh, here for the average pre-med student giving honest, unfiltered feedback and advice from our time in medical school and from our uh, experiences going there. And I realized I don't have a standardized uh, two-liner for when we come in. So if you guys are listening, you know, every episode, our introduction sounds a little bit different. So kind of a little Easter egg, I guess. Uh, my name is Eleni Fafudis. Uh, I'm an MS1 at Penn State College of Medicine. As a reminder, I don't speak for my institution. I can only speak for myself. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Nice to see everybody again. I'm Noah. I'm a first-year medical student at Mayo Clinic Alex School of Medicine. And like Eleni, I only speak for myself and not my institution. Great. Well, today, kind of, I think a lot of you guys are probably thinking about uh, going into the MCAT, right? So, for those of you that are applying this year, you're probably kind of cramming your uh, personal statements, getting that activities list ready. But for those of you thinking about applying next year, this is prime time for MCAT. Yeah, I mean, the MCAT is right around the corner. Application season is actually right around the corner, too, because the application season, when did, when did we apply? I guess the end of May, right? So it's literally right there. So um, this is prime time for thinking about the MCAT. Um maybe getting a little bit late, but I, we figured it would be a good time to release the episode on MCAT since it's on a lot of people's minds or people are waiting for their scores. So I think we, our idea was to just kind of go through our experiences with the MCAT, what we did, and hopefully we can help you guys out with our advice here. Yeah, and I will say, I think Noah did a lot better than me on the MCAT. I don't think we're going to say our scores um, on recording um, just because, you know, there's always a little bit of etiquette, right? You don't you don't at, go up to someone and you ask, "Hey, how much do you weigh?" or uh, "How much do you make?" Right? And it's it's kind of the same way with the MCAT. I think, uh, at least in my experience in undergrad, it was kind of rude to go up to somebody and say, "Hey, what's your MCAT?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people were definitely a little cagey, um, and I mean, as rightfully as you should be, it's kind of like one of those things it's one of like the main metrics nobody really wants to share and it's like people can be embarrassed or they feel like they're showing off so yeah it, but <laughs> I guess we should go on and jump right into it on the subject of MCAT scores so why don't we start talking about timeline so I guess I'll give my little spiel about what I think is the ideal timeline then I'll let Eleni have her time in the limelight so as far as timeline for me um my opinion is like you should take about three to six months to study for an MCAT. I really don't think you need longer than six months because I think if you start too far out, like a year out, you're gonna forget <laughs> you're gonna forget that stuff that you started studying way early. So I think six months and certainly three is like the sweet spot. And I think also you should consider taking your MCAT once you've done the majority of your prereqs don't take the MCAT if you haven't completed like biochemistry or general chemistry or orgo, like your main core subjects, because trying to self-study that in addition to the MCAT and all the other material that you need to do is just, I think, a little bit too much. And then, um, you know, take some time um, before you submit your application. So ideally, you would have your score back before you submit your application. So you know, like what range of competitiveness you're going to be in and you can uh, give yourself some extra time in case that you need a retake. Yeah, I think that's solid advice. The only thing I would uh, kind of say is 
I did not take biochem prior to to my MCAT. I don't think that hurt me. I don't think that was my weakness um, per se. But I I agree. Don't don't skip your core um, core classes. I've definitely seen a few people on SDN and Reddit saying, well, you know, I'm going to self-study over the summer before freshman year and <laughs> in freshman year of college. And I, I just, that stresses me out. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think like self-studying, I think like, you know, you can get away with self-studying sociology or maybe like a little bit of psychology if you didn't take like two intro courses, like, because I know at least at my college, they did two separate intro psych courses. So like you probably don't need both, but like trying to go into the MCAT and not having physics one or, or, or go one is not going to be a very fun time, at least in from what I could tell in my experience, I had all those core um, classes competed. Um, so that's just. Yeah. And I do want to give the caveat, actually, that um, I took cell biology, which had a lot of biochem. So I knew my amino acids and I knew like charges and protein structure and all that stuff. So I already had a pretty solid foundation in biochem. I wouldn't recommend yeah. going cold turkey. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we actually only had one intro to psych course, which I did not find to be very helpful, actually, at all. Really? No. I mean, I was also a freshman in my fall semester, I think, when I took that. So yeah, it could also be that you just didn't uh, remember any of it. Um, but yeah, kind of about the timeline. Um, I, I think three to six months is good. I think six months even is too much. Um because really what you're doing is you're trying to consolidate information that you know, right? And it's kind of the same wisdom that they give us for step one. You know, the first the first part of our boards when we come into medical school, which is if you spend like months and months and months studying, right, what is the purpose of this exam? It's looking at the, the, the information that you've amalgamated, right, over a period of time. And I think that if you study overstudy, which is a real thing, uh, you tend to oh, second guess and overthink what you're saying. Um, so, you know, I would err on the shorter side, but there's also no, no shame in pushing back your exam as well. I pushed my exam once because uh, I didn't feel I was ready. And what tells you if you're ready is your uh, AAMC full length. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think the, and we'll talk about this a little bit when we get to resources. Um, but the AMC full lengths are indispensable and those are really your gauge. I think there's very few things that are mandatory when it comes to MCAT studying. The full length AMC exams are not, those are, those are not optional. You absolutely have to have those and they help you gauge your progress. And yeah, I would agree. I think even six months is stretching it. I don't know if you want to talk about your personal timeline and like when you decided to take it. But um, I think I started my studying in December and then took my MCAT in April. And I think that was perfect because I got my score back like June 1st or something like that. Yeah, I was I think I started early, like January, like January 1. So pretty much the same timeline as you were like after my December finals were over. So I, I thought that was a good timeline for me. I mean, I also made the brilliant decision of taking physics to and I had a couple other classes happening like at the same time that were very challenging. 
I would not recommend stacking your classes like that if you can. Yeah, I think I was, I also had the misfortune of taking physics too while MCAT studying and um, not, not a super fun time, but it worked out. Um, I guess we should both add the caveat that we're like traditional students, like we went straight through. So we took our MCAT applied and then our senior year was like our application and interview season. So this timeline might look a little bit different if you're not, um, you obviously won't have to be worrying about taking physics too if you're not in college. So just a word. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, the non-trad route is even more difficult in a lot of ways. You know, I have a couple of friends here who are non-trad. Um, and I think that, you know, there's always a struggle of balancing, you know, work and life. And, you know, I, I people have kids. Like I, I like there's a, there's a student in our class who had four kids and they're all under the age of 12. And I don't know <laughs> how she does it, but, um, you know, I think that it's all about time management, whether or not you're in school or you're working a job. And I think making a schedule is the biggest and most important thing you can do for the MCAT. Yeah, agreed. I think a schedule is really helpful whether you do it yourself or, um, or you have a program that does it for you. And I guess we'll um, sort of, on that note, unless we have anything um, else that you like to say about the timeline, um, I think we'll skip around and let's talk about how we studied and sort of like the use resources that we use. Cause I think that kind of feeds nicely about the timeline comment that you made. Um, so I want to be- I thought, <laughs> Sorry, really quickly, if I could say, if I could go back and change what I did, uh, I'm not being paid by anybody to say this, by the way. I would have ditched Kaplan, Princeton, Review, whatever. Don't waste your $600 on those sets. You world, Anki, and the question banks. That is what you need. <laughs> because at the end of the day, you need to be grill grinding questions. It was a waste of my time to be sitting through those books and highlighting. And I wish that I hadn't done that. Sorry to interrupt you, Noah, whatever you were saying. Oh, yeah, that that's great at I actually think that's great advice. I, um, I'll just kind of talk about some of the other resources because I didn't pay for it. I had a bunch of friends and like we compare resources that we were using. I thought Kaplan and Princeton Review were way too dense. Like I just couldn't, I, I couldn't do it. It was just filled with minutia after minutia after minutia. And the, the practice questions where I think were way too hard out of the scope of like the AMC full length exams. So I just felt like it was a complete, waste of my time. Um, I did use that I felt that I was very helpful um, was Blueprint. It's called Blueprint MCAT. And um, sort of getting back to your comment about schedules, um, what I really liked about it is that um, they set up a fully customized schedule based on your test date. And they had like each day you had videos and practice questions to go through. And I thought that was just really helpful to keep me on track. And then I also felt like their full length exams were um, very comparable to the AMC full length. So if you use a third party resource um, that you pay for, then I would go with that. Yeah, and, and you took a class, right? So how they did it, there were, I think with Blueprint, they have a live course. I didn't do the live course. They have like pre-recorded um, video lectures that you can watch. And then there's like little quizzes at the end. So that's what I did because I wanted to study at my own pace. And um, 
my roommate at the time actually did the live Princeton review course and he he hated it. it it was just like you have to sit there for three hours it was like that whole like I'm sure you've seen the commercials on YouTube everybody's seen the commercials like a five the MCAT is what is it the MCAT is hard and the MCAT, MCAT is important <laughs> and it's not just how much you study it's how you study yeah and it was just um his experience was not very positive um I think I could say um so I mean I don't think I think Eleni's exactly right though you don't need to pay for any resource to do well on your MCAT I think the only reason why I went with Blueprint is I really like their fully customized study schedule and I thought their books and their video content review sources were actually a nice way to consolidate everything um but I'll talk about free resources too. So, I mean, I thought Khan Academy, and I think they're still, I, I think they recently reached a partnership with AMC to keep all their content um, up, but I'll have to check on that. But um, if you, if you can, Khan Academy is a great free resource. They have free, they have questions. Um, they, I don't think they have full length exams, but they have videos on almost every topic on the MCAT and they are excellent. And it's a great way if you need some content review. And then both Lenny and I have now mentioned at this point, the AMC full-length exams. Those are, you do pay for those, but they're nothing compared to the Princeton Review and Kaplan courses. And they're crucial to your success. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I didn't really, I didn't pay for much outside of UWorld and then obviously the Kaplan books. Um, my UWorld's important. I think you should at least do it a couple, three times. And I think that you should make Anki decks based off of it. Um, on terms of Anki decks, there's some pre-made ones. I think there's Jack Sparrow and Miles Down, uh, which you can find, you know, the simple Google search on Reddit. Uh, don't use Anki. That's, that's, that's your med school. Don't use that one. Um, and I thought that was helpful uh, if you're an Anki person. I think that my mistake was I didn't take Anki very seriously when I was studying for the MCAT. And I didn't like, like, I think a good way to study is like make spreadsheets. Uh, you know, what's what's my weakness? You know, make Anki cards supplementing, you know, what you have miles down Jack Sparrow uh, based off of your U world and that kind of thing. And, and, and I think if I had to go back and do that again, that's something that I would have done. Um, but I will say just you have to drill that information in. You have to drill it, right? You have to do the questions. You have to do repetition. You have to be familiar with that content. Um, and I think you need to take your weak spots seriously. Yeah, absolutely. I think Eleni has this exactly right. I think, you know, at the end of the day, you can go and read all about Ohm's Law and SNT reactions all you want. But at the end of the day, they're going to be testing your application of that knowledge and really not more and more. They're not testing you on, on the um, specific facts. They want to know how can you apply that information. And that's what you're going to be doing as a doctor. And that's what that's how step one teaches you. It's rarely a factoid. It's usually patient has X symptom and you have to interpolate some of the facts that they give you and come up with a conclusion that they think you should be able to reach. And it's kind of the same thing with the MCAT. So I think practice questions are definitely... Um, the way to do it. If I did have to change one thing, I did not do your world. I like, I was like, I would see on the, on the pre-med Reddit and the MCAT Reddit, I'm like, what? They're like, you earth and like all these, <laughs> like they, they would call it everything but you world. And I was like, what is this? And I like never like paid in any mind, but I think it's definitely worth it to have um, 
a question bank. And I also didn't get on the Anki train until med school. But um, if you can, it, it's something that I think is essential to med school success, at least early on as you're getting your footing. So if you if you get a handle on it while you're studying for the MCAT, all power to you. Yeah, um, they, they, they call it U-Earth and U-Planet and U-Mars or whatever, um, because uh, apparently there was a ban, like I guess it was like a copyright strike from U-World for people sharing questions and they got real, real cautious. Um, that's what they mean um, on Reddit by that. So, um, yeah, I think that's a pretty good discussion of resources. Um you know, there's a lot out there. I, I recommend, you know, doing your research. Don't be swayed by the siren song of like these these companies, you know, making big promises and then asking for a lot of money because I don't think they, I, I don't think that's that's necessary for success, personally. Um, so you know, and and I think also the frustrating thing is people will look things up. So I have a friend who um and this is something that maybe we can talk about um, in a little bit, well, who decided to look up, I don't know where he got this advice, that um, taking the MCAT three, four times was okay. Um, which I don't know, no, maybe I gave him bad advice. You can, you, but I was like, you know, why would you think that? You, and it's because you have these, you know, prep websites that are pushing you to, to buy their product and they say, well, you can retake the MCAT. And it's really, it's not like law school where retaking is, you know, over and over is okay. Um, outcomes are really going to raise their eyebrows at you if you don't score significantly higher. So for example, if I scored a 511 on my MCAT, which is a pretty decent score, right? Can get you into DO and MD programs. But if I scored a 511, if I don't get above like a you know, 516 and 517, I get a 513 and 512. I, that's a red flag to outcomes because first of all it comes off as arrogance right oh i'm going to take it again i'm going to do better but it also shows that you can't study and do better again on the second time so really be careful about retaking this is not an exam you can go in willy-nilly and be like i can retake this as many times as i want yeah i think that's like right on the money the mcat is an exam where you need to want and done it there is maybe twice like you know and i say that if you you need to have a clear plan of improvement of what did i do wrong and how can i improve upon that if you don't have an action plan and you take an exam and you just schedule one for three weeks later you just chalk it up to a bad day you're gonna have a bad day again so i would put some serious thought and consideration not only to the resources how you study your mindset so you can get this exam done and be done with it. Like it, it costs more money too. Like, I don't know. I forget how much the MCAT costs. 320, I think. Uh, three, yeah, like $300. And step one is something like $600. Like don't get into this mindset of taking the exam multiple times, especially with step one, because that's not, <laughs> that's not going to fly. <laughs> get, get into the mindset of doing well on your first attempt or, or you know, give it your best shot, you know. Don't, yeah. don't don't think it's something that you can put half effort into and keep doing incrementally better. If you take four exams and your scores are 500, 501, 502, and then you finally get 515, I honestly can't tell you like if that that looks particularly good. Um, yeah, that that and and that's such a unique circumstance, right? 
but but I think what I'm talking about, you know, is if you take eight and you get a five eleven and you get a five fourteen, it it's not doing much for you right now. If I took a five eleven, I get a five twenty five. Wow, right, amazing. Um, they clearly you did something right, but it's a big risk, right? The MCAT's hard, and MCAT's important. Um, and um, you know, you, there's wild cards. There are wild cards that you know you just might get a hard task. And so you really have to be certain that you're going to do a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, and I don't know if you have a particular number that you think it's a cutoff, but I think, um, you know, like if you score significantly below what you were anticipating on test day, like let's say you're expecting a 520 and you score a 505, absolutely retake it, like go do to the best of your potential. Um but, you know, I think if you get, like, if you're expecting a 515 and you get a 510, like Eleni was saying, you're going to have to weigh um, the pros and cons. Because, I mean, that's a, a lot of money, a lot more effort, more studying. You have to drive to the test center um, all over again. Um, just, yeah, you're just going to have to weigh your pros and cons and, and the benefits and the risks. Yeah, I would say 510 to 511 would be a cutoff where I would seriously consider not retaking, right? Because at that point, you scored a decent enough score to get into schools. And I know everyone on SDN says, I have a 520 plus. Okay, majority of people don't, right? So you're saying right around the median for, you know, the average uh, admitted applicant. I think the average applicant is like 505 or something like that. But the average admitted applicant is around 510 to 512 in that range. Uh, depending on the year. So that is a score that is perfectly acceptable to get you in to MD schools and DO schools. I have several friends who have gotten several interviews with scores around that range uh, to MD schools and been accepted successfully, right? So if you are not certain you can get that above a 515, uh, I would hesitate. Personally, I would hesitate. I agree. I think, yeah. 515 needs to be your minimum score jump if you have a 510. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess sort of like, I think that was a wonderful aside and I think that's a wonderful point that we made to our listeners. So I guess, you know, one of the bigger questions and, you know, people can easily find us, but I think it's worth going over is how long is the MCAT? What is on the MCAT? What am I being tested on, Noah and Eleni? And to answer both of those questions and we can break it down section by section just not really quick we won't spend a long time harping on it but you know the MCAT is seven and a half hours long exam um definitely those are the reasons for your full-length exams because it is tiring and it's not fun and then there are four sections you have chemistry physics sport uh bio biochem you have the section called cars which is reading and analysis of passages then you have psychology and sociology so those are four sections. They're about approximately equal in length. And um, maybe we can give some of our thoughts about each of those sections, what we loved, what we hated, um, what we could have done better on each of the sections, maybe. I don't know. Um, uh, I think biology is going to be the best for most people. Yeah. It was my worst. It was my worst, actually. Fun fact. That was my worst section. Um. And uh, I think 
cars is overplayed a little bit. Everyone's like, ah, cars. Um, I, I think that you just need to develop a strategy that works. Um, I also tell you that the cars passages they picked, I don't know about you, your test now, but the ones I got were boring. Boring as all hell. I think I got one about like English shrubbery techniques in like from the 16th century to the current. Yeah, I don't know where they find these passages. I had one on like Picasso and paintings and this other one about cement building techniques in the 70s. Like, like it could have been like cool, like, you know, the Bayeux Tapestry or, you know, like alien sightings or something cool. But instead, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know, just I, I think the important thing for cars is just like don't get lost in the sauce. Um, and you have to figure out what your weaknesses are. So I am a fast rater. When I get anxious, I go faster, which I know is not normal, but it's great for speech and debate because when I get nervous, I talk more. Um, when I get nervous on exam, I read faster. So I would blow through cars. Like I would have enough time at the end to reread every single passage, which is great. But what happened was I would rush through passages and I would rush through questions. So I wasn't like carefully reading what I needed to be reading. I don't know, Noah, what you're like, if you're like a slow reader, a fast reader, a middle reader, how you dealt with it. Yeah, so Cars is an interesting, I think Cars is the one that is probably the most unique section, depending on what type of person you are and your personality and how you study. I, like Elenia, am a fast reader. Like, I don't know what it is about both of our brains, but we just like read quickly. Like, people would look over me and I read something they're like you're done already I'm like yeah man like get with the program like <laughs> um so yeah if you're a fast lead what's like I said what's nice about being a fast reader is you can get through things you can get sort of the main points but sometimes you can get you can lose some of those finer details that the test writers will ask you about where you won't pick up the subtleties um so I think it's important whether you're a fast or a slow reader you should like be able to answer like three questions when you get to a passage like what is the main idea what is the author telling me and then where can I find the information that the questions are like asking me about like you should be thinking about like as you're reading the passage like what what are the test writers going to ask me before you even get to the questions and that can already put you in a good frame of mind so I think like that's a good general strategy for cars and honestly cars is more than any other section other than maybe chemistry physics is you just have to do tons of cars passages because there's a logic to you and i don't know it's not really something i can articulate i don't know how lenny feels but there's just a feel to a cars passage and like how they write questions that you can only really get by just doing a buttload of them it's kind of like you know i guess i'm exposing myself a little bit here but it's kind of like reading fan fiction right if you ever like come across like fan fiction or like fan made material, right? You can tell that there's a different tone than the source material, right? Like if I read Percy Jackson fan fiction, which I don't, but if I did um, on Tumblr or something, right? I can tell no matter how well the author tries to model, you know, that fan fiction off the source material, it sounds different than when Rick Riordan. I think it's Ryder Dan. Sorry, sorry, Rick Ryder Dan uh, is writing 
is writing it, right? And that's the author of the Percy Jackson series for those who didn't read it. Um, you can tell that there's a difference. And, and I agree. There's a very like underlying tone, kind of like how Panera, everything has that, like an underlying taste. Uh, there's an underlying tone to Carr's passages and there's a formula that you figure out. And it takes practice to figure out that formula. Yeah, it it's really one of those things that it's hard for us to put into words, but I promise you, like, once you see it, you get it, and you'll still get questions wrong, but it'll, like, shoot up your success rate so much because you understand the pattern, you understand the questions, and you, you get a feel for the um, inherent logic of the test that is sort of unconscious, but it gets you to the right answer. Um, and Absolutely. yeah, as far as the other sections, I think Kim Fizz, I think is going to be dependent on your background. Um, I think chemistry saved me in that section, to be honest. Um, Physics saved me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we're opposites. I think that's um, common for a lot of people. Like people are either a physics person or a chemistry person. And like, that's what gets them through that section. I, I'm of the opinion that that section is hard no matter what, unless you're, I don't know, like a chemist or an, or an engineer or a physics major. It For me, it just sucks. It was the worst part. It was That was my lowest section. It was the worst part in MCAT for me. That was actually my highest section, which I, I think was because I had a physics, like I had a very physics heavy test and like I was taking my class at that time. So uh -huh. it was like, oh, this is, I know, like I just did this like a week ago in class. Like, I literally had a question. I was like, I just did this in lab. Like, I know the formula off the top of my head. <laughs> nice. So. Yeah, I had the opposite experience. I opened the exam and the very first question, I'm like, I have no idea, like, what the heck I'm supposed to do for this question. And I was like freaking out. And then it like got slightly better. But I was so happy when that section ended. Um, let's see. We, we talked a little bit about biochem. Bio, biochem it was your um highest rank section i think it was also one of my highest ranks it was ever it was my lowest oh, i was your lowest that's right it was your lowest um i think for me so kim fizz was my lowest that was your highest Bio, biochem was your lowest i think it was my highest um in my defense though i did have a massive massive migraine roll in like right around that time um because i was stressed and so you can actually see like I did well in cars and chem and then my migraine happened in bio and, and then I took uh, like I took Advil and it went back up <laughs> for a sec. Yeah, it was horrible. So so my recommendation to you guys is like be prepared with like painkillers and snacks and that kind of thing because like it does happen. Like things happen like in your stress and like if you're prone to like headaches or like aches and pains, you know, if you're if you're a girl, your period shows up you know, be ready for the, the worst to happen during your exam. So be prepped. Sorry, I, I think I interrupted your train of thought, but I just wanted to put that out there in my defense. <laughs> no, I mean, that, that, and we'll get that about like, sort of like the last minute advice on, um, you know, test day. Um, and we'll go over that, but that's a very good point. And that's relevant for all of the sections, I think. Um, worth mentioning that you do get a break. During the MCAT, so yes, also echo Lenny's sentiment to have snacks, have Advil. I I don't get bad migraines like Lenny, but I do get pretty bad headaches. So 
I think I popped an anvil <laughs> as well halfway through the exam. Um, but yeah, for bio biochem, um, I think as far as content, I think you need to know your amino acids cold. Um, that's like structures cold. Yeah, like structures, names, three letter abbreviations, charges, abbreviation, charges, um, interactions, any special interactions that any amino acids have. That's a must. You need to know your pathways. Um, they come back in med school, so might as well memorize them now. You're going to need to know glycolysis, Krebs, uh, fatty acid synthesis. Those those are all important. I think those are kind of like the high yield, major high yield points. Know how to analyze like, you know, certain classic experiments like, you know, gels and, you know, all that jazz. <laughs> Electrophoresis. I hated um, that stuff. Yeah. I'm so glad I'm done with it. So glad. so glad that we're done and over with with that we talked ad nauseum about cars and then psych soch i was a psychology major i'm a little biased here it's my favorite section of the mcat um it's getting a little bit more um statistics and study design um i I feel i think it's becoming a little bit more of testing your scientific reasoning more than necessarily the psychological and sociological concepts so that's important too like you need to know like your three major sociological theories i've already forgotten what they are (laughs) like you know your stages like psa that's all important but um i think it's worth going over your statistics analyzing study designs and i think that's important for psych search yeah um no comment on that um (laughs) to be honest i didn't really like any of the content on those uncut which is I guess bad to say but like I'm really enjoying what I'm doing in medical school like I do want to say like if you struggle with the MCAT it's not like oh my god I'm not cut out to be a doctor it's I think it's hard and boring content that's meant to weed you out and if you can get through it I think that the that the final end goal is like worth it because like I'm so enjoying medical school right now it's been so worth it I've just I've loved every minute of it um yeah so keep your head up the MCAT's temporary uh med school's forever no I mean it, like not being in med school's forever but like you know what you get to do um so yeah I think that kind of brings us to like any last ditch advice that we have before we conclude the episode yeah so um I think mine is like sort of like short and sweet because I think you know I can talk for forever about how you can do the best on the MCAT. I think like number one on my list is find a study plan that works for you, whether that's creating your own schedule, whether that's um, doing Khan Academy, whether that's getting an MCAT prep course, find whatever resources or your group of resources that fit your study schedule, your time, your attention span, et cetera, and like make it work. You're going to have to individualize it. You're going to have to tailor it. It's going to be the same thing in medical school. You're going to have to find what works for you and what works for other people might not work for you. So I think that's number one. Um, number two, Eleni's talked about it too, is identify your <laughs> your weak areas and work on them. Um, super, super important. If you know that you keep forgetting um, Avogadro's number on chemistry and like all these equations need it, like you need to work on that, find a way to memorize it, make an Anki card, 
do a bunch of practice problems involving that equation, et cetera, and just hammer it home until it's second nature. And then um, number three is, I think is super underrated advice actually, is relax. Two or three days before your exam, you need to quit your year world. You need to quit your Anki. You need to quit your practice questions, like everything. And you just need whatever is going on in your life. Focus on that and just enjoy like the little bit of time before the storm hits and just like really get yourself in the right mind space to take the exam. Because I think what happens to a lot of people, you start psyching yourself out. And, you know, at the end of the day, even though both of us have told you that this is an exam that you need to want and done, which is like sort of true, it's just a test and it's not the end of your life. The MCAT, I'll say it one more time. The MCAT is not the end of your life. You'll get through it. It's going to be okay. You're going to be a great doctor. Look, what's the worst that can happen? You wake up and, you know, you get a score in the 400s, you know you figure out where you made a mistake and you take it again, right? And as long as you show that improvement, you'll be okay. And you know what? Even if you don't, you can still get in, right? It's not, it's not a death sentence, right? Make sure everything else is strong. I would say my lot, my one big piece of advice, because I think Noah's really covered everything else, is um, if you wake up on the day that you get your MCAT score and you don't see something that you like, because that was how I felt. I, I woke up and, and I saw something that, I didn't like that. I didn't think reflected, you know, how I did, you know, feel, take, feel free to feel what you're feeling. It's valid. Um, but, you know, take a step back and really consider it holistically. Right. Is this something, is this a number I really need to retake? Is this my emotion? Is it my ego talking? Is this uh, I'll have to run with everyone who's 520 plus on, on the internet or whatever talking to you because at the end of the day you need to be very pragmatic and you need to be realistic with what you're doing so it's it's fine to be disappointed but you also need to be realistic with where you stand and if you know in my opinion if you're 510 or 511 plus you know it, it's disappointing if you're full lengths or you know 519 520 but at the end of the day that is an appliable score right and and one thing that I want to put into perspective, and I think the last thing I'll leave, right, is think about the opportunity cost of a gap year, right? So I take my MCAT. I don't like my score. I wait another year to take it. When I graduate as an attending, I make three four $400,000 a year, right? Maybe a little less, depending, maybe a little more, depending on the specialty. Every year that you take extra, you have that opportunity cost. You are losing three, four hundred thousand dollars, right? Of that attending salary that you could be making. So keep that in mind. I think a lot of people say, oh my God, I'm gonna go to a low-tier school. This is the end of me. Right. And MD's an MD, a DO's a DO. Right. Sorry, no, not everybody can go to Mayo Clinic. <laughs> and 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 that's and that's okay, right? At the end of the day, you're walking out with an MD. So just be mindful of that. And we'll talk more about like school schools and school rankings and all that stuff. All right, Noah, is there anything else you have to say? Yeah, no, I'll just add on that. Like, you know, that was just beautifully, beautifully put. We can tell that you're on the debate team. I'm jealous of your, of your talking. Uh, not stuff. anymore. Not, oh. not anymore. Uh, so, well, thank you so much for listening, guys. We appreciate you. 
uh, listening to this little bit longer episode today um, as we kind of explored uh, the MCAT and kind of all the different tools and resources and emotions and thoughts that you might be feeling or going through or using uh, through this time. Best of luck on your MCAT. And uh, we hope that this was helpful to you. This was the Doctor and Duo podcast. Uh, thank you so much for your time. We try to come out with an episode once every month. Um, we're medical students, so so um, sorry. Sometimes our schedules get kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, hopefully we can, we helped you. If we did, please drop us a like and subscribe at the bottom, or follow us on whatever platform that you're listening, watching to us on. And we'll be back with you guys soon. Yeah. See you guys.